You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. Johnson. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Spartacus After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Spartacus After Show. Yes! Bing is for doing. And here we are doing another amazing after show of Spartacus Season 3, Episode 6, Moors in Decepta. Which, obviously, we, we spicy... Oh, I already said I don't have any clue what that a means. A little clueless over here. And just a little. you promised that you were going to explain that to me and the fans at home. What the hell does that mean? Well, thankfully, in, in the middle of the episode, or kind of, well, two-thirds, a third of the way through the episode, we had Spartacus and his men try to get uh, try to get at Crossus in his tent. Okay. Right? What was supposedly his tent. And they find Donner's body crucified there with an inscription on it, Mors and Decepta. Mm-hmm. And Spartacus, because he worked with the legions, was able to translate it well. And it means death is indeceivable. Death is indeceivable. Okay. I might not have been able to catch that part because I was staring at his Franks and Beans the entire time. <laughs> but um, we'll get to that spicy scene later. <laughs> What's on the agenda tonight, Sean? Okay. So we're going to talk about Tiberius being restored. Okay. Uh, which I found to be very grotesque. <laughs> and we'll yeah. also we'll also talk about descent with uh, Spartacus and Crixus. We'll talk about Corey leaving the Romans. Oh my god. That goodness. was a huge surprise. Yeah, uh Gannicus and Sybil finally get a little something something between we the sheets. We predicted it. We definitely did. And uh we're going to for our news and gossip section, we're going to talk with awesome voiceover actor Campbell Cooley. Who is uh, who's calling us? Who's going to Skype with us all the way from Auckland, New Zealand? I believe. So only I hear, only here at AfterBuzz can we provide such amazing talent interviews, guys. And uh, uh, by the way, if you guys don't know Campbell Cooley, he's one of the voiceover actors for Spartacus: War of the Damned. He uh, he also worked on. I think he worked on the other two, uh, two or three seasons, also rather. And uh, yeah, for sure, he was in season two. Uh, he was actually. We'll, we'll talk about his. He's scene been later. in five episodes total. Oh, he has been in five yeah, episodes. Yeah, he's been in total. five episodes. Oh, okay. So, or at least but, that's what it said on IMDb. But the, <laughs> the episode that he was in was with Anemius's character, and that that was a pretty intense and gruesome little bloody bloody fight scene. So we'll, we're going to be talking with him via Skype and interviewing him and giving getting his insight on the show, and we'll talk about his projects and stuff. Anyway, let's go ahead and dive let's into just it. Just jump right into it because this was a great episode. I was. Definitely at the edge of my seat the entire time because I knew there was going to be a lot of juice going on. You know what? For me, I had the opposite feeling. Really? I wasn't I wasn't on the edge of my seat the entire time. I was actually, I, I was the way it started was so different. The way just like the title came up on the screen of the episode, it was like 
snowy and calm and like it was like death was slowly approaching <laughs> and that doesn't creep you out that doesn't make you want to like tune in for the entire episode I guess it, it did. had me it, it had me but it was more like a slow kind of edge of my seat I guess you could say you know I'm like wait what's going on how come it's so different well than it the other opened episodes? up like you said with the snow but then it also showed us immediately the trench so we already know that this is a huge hurdle for the rebels to cross over but I felt like that was a sign that would eventually, you know, give us an explanation of why it was opening up with that. And of course, by the end, we saw with the piled up bodies. But I feel like that was something that the writers had wrote in there. And that if you were paying close attention, you would have caught that, you know, wow, it's completely hard to get across. But then by the end, we see piles and piles and piles. Yeah, thousand, a thousand people pretty right. much were piled up to make way for their bridge. And they weren't, you know, it. hopefully later in the next, in the, in the rest of the season, it's not going to be in vain, right? They'll be able to kill many more Romans at the loss of their <laughs> thousand comrades. Right. But uh, that, Hey, they was, had to get across, okay? Got to do what you got to do. They had to, man. They were like, they need to survive. All's fair in war. That's right, it is. And, uh, but you know what's not fair is Tiberius getting his armor and his sword and equipment back. And I do not agree with Crassus's logic on this, you know. Uh, but, uh, but then again, he doesn't. He, it's his son. I'm with you, Sean. I completely, at this point, in the beginning of the season, I wasn't quite sure about Tiberius. I knew he was going to be a little, you know, spoiled weasel. But I did not know that he was going to be the actual villain this season. And after he raped uh, Corey, oh, yeah. I just am completely just appalled by him and so the fact that his father is now deceived and I thought his father knew what was up I thought that he was in tune and you know as a leader just very insightful when he knows that someone just isn't worthy and restoring his son's power back I understand that's your son you feel obligated but Tiberius hasn't done anything to earn that position of power back and we hate him because he raped Corey. If there is anything that that should be proof that he doesn't deserve this it's last time he released Donner Obviously, he was the only <laughs> one who could have done it. Crassus should be smart enough to know that. Right, he just happens to get free. Yeah, exactly. His son had the keys. Exactly, his son had the keys, and it's like, okay, my son tried to dishonor us because I'm kind of putting him to the side, and he tried to kill Caesar, the guy who I'm, like, bringing a little bit closer. Huh, let's give him his armor back so he's a lot, you know, he's more well-equipped. But that last, the, the taking over back of the city was... Because of Caesar. So for him to completely just give the power back to Tiberius and Tiberius didn't earn it. And Caesar did everything in his power from disguising himself to pretending that he was a rebel, putting his life at risk every day with people that he hates and possibly, you know, it all blowing up in his face. He took a huge risk and fighting for the honor of the Romans. How are you going to not give Caesar his position of power? I just was completely baffled by well, that. Well, Caesar has Caesar has a pretty good position right now, but it's just always going to be second to Tiberius because Tiberius is like, you know, he's his son, pretty much. He can't. He wants Crassus wants to give his son power. He wants to give his son like a shared seat, you know, at least next to him. But he's he's his son. You know, you can't you can't. But deny he doesn't that. deserve it. He doesn't. He I mean, doesn't when you say it. that Caesar has a great position, are you talking about the threesomes that he's constantly getting? <laughs> because I feel like every episode I'm seeing him having a threesome. Mind you, I don't mind at all. And after watching this episode, a uh, spicy scene, I probably will be scheduling my next boob appointment because uh, these girls are phenomenal. <laughs> forget you know we forgot to talk let's talk about that a little bit right now let's talk about the spicy sexy scenes the spicy sex scenes okay so you know sean wants me to give a recap of all the sex scenes there were a couple that stood out to me 
Caesar and of the course, two girls. Of course, the threesome. I love seeing Caesar half naked. And, of course, the women that are always on this show have to be beautiful, I think, even, even to audition. They and then in the audition, they're probably like, now, take your clothes off. So <laughs> I think that's a huge part of it. But, uh, of course, Caesar was getting his freak on. And uh, another scene was the crucifixion of uh, uh, Donner. Donner. And I felt like that wasn't a sexual scene, but... You get to see his junk. I love it when we get to see male nudity on the show because we always see female nudity. So when we get to see the male nudity, I'm like, yes, girl power. Now, did you think Donner's was actually CG or was it real? What did it look like to you? It was kind of big. It was at least eight inches. If you guys at home want to get in on the conversation, (laughs) let us know what you think the inches of Donner was, but um, whether you think it was uh, real or prosthetic. (laughs) It looked like, you know, obviously because he's dead, it must have been flaccid. And in the cold weather, dude, that thing's gigantic, man. Yeah, it still was, you know, pretty... uh, pretty good <laughs> okay and then we had Corey Corey and once Krasis. again makes love with uh, with Marcus and I felt like he he got on her about actually coming to the campgrounds and although she went against his instruction and you know defied him he still found way to punish her sexually and make her mm. get butt naked and have passionate sex with her if anybody else had defied him i think it would have been off with their heads but because it was the beautiful core of course they got to have a passionate sex scene lots of titties she didn't seem as into it no. you know i i felt like she wasn't as um enthralled with him like she usually is when they're making love he was into it but it's, he didn't know any better it's because of that whole conversation with tiberius so let's bring it back again to Tiberius now. So they they have a conversation about him, and the whole reason she was brought there right. was because she spoke C- to, to Caesar, and she wanted to get it off her chest that, hey, Tiberius raped me. Why are you letting him, why are you going to give him Sinuessa and Valley as a city with me as, like, the head slave there, and you don't know that he's raping me? Right. But Caesar says, how deeply, you know, how, how deep has he penetrated you? Yeah. But I think, he, deep- meant, I think he meant poked. <laughs> no, but he didn't know yet, but it was just a, a fortuitous. But I felt like, yeah, I felt like he kind of, I don't know, I felt like he kind of knew. Yeah. He knew it was something. In order for her to want to take his position of power and almost, you know, have him dead, it has to be something awful. Yeah, that's for sure. So anyway, she can't bring herself to tell Tiberius' misdeeds to Crassus because she she sees how much he loves his son and he's blinded to it. That's the only thing. Her, well, not even her love between her and Crassus is his hubris. It's more like he is blinding himself to his son's misgivings and that's why, you know, that's why she wanted to leave him. And I thought she was going to kill him for an instant when she got that dagger. Yeah, we saw her pull out the the knife and we weren't sure. We kind of predicted that she was going to use it on herself, but then we were like, no, she's going to use it on him. But then by the end we saw that that was not the case and she wound up killing one of the guards instead. To escape and they didn't see anybody leave. Right. Pretty much. Exactly. But we were hoping, I was like, ooh, that would be good if she killed him, but she didn't wind up killing Marcus. And then I was hoping that she was going to do something to herself. But I mean, we do. We, but but I think that Corey's choice was probably the biggest shock on the show because I don't think we saw that coming. And we saw a lot of tension uh, other than between Corey and her. We saw a lot of tension between Caesar and Tiberius. Uh, this wait wait Corey and Tiberius. Right. And now there, we saw a lot of tension Caesar between and Caesar and Tiberius. They had two scenes together where they were just at each other's throats. Right. And it, it was really interesting to see that stuff. And now he's Caesar is, like, in a way back beneath his heel. But now, because of this new information, which we didn't get to see exchanged between Corey and Caesar, so we don't know how much she told him, but Caesar is, is now... He 
now has valuable information that right. he could probably use against Tiberius later on. Well, what surprises me is that Tiberius, although he's in a position of power, he's very bold to not be that great of a fighter and to try to go head-to-head with Caesar when he can snap your neck like that, you know, with his eyes closed. And although he wouldn't because his then life would be at stake, he still can do it and, you know, escape. He's more of a rebellious, you know, type of character as well. And so I just can't believe how man-to-man Tiberius is trying to go up against him. Yeah, so um, let's go ahead and... Let's move on to the descent between Spartacus and Crixus. There's a lot of dissension in this episode between a lot of different characters. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much, Crixus is, in a way, with, he's a rebel with Spartacus and all the other commanders and right. all the other rebels, but he's rebelling against Spartacus. He had such a great quote, where and I think you wrote it down. He, he wanted to... Uh, Shall I go ahead pull it up, up right now but while we're did, talking about it? He pretty much didn't want Spartacus telling him what to do anymore because he felt like Spartacus was always running away from battles. Um, well, earlier he had told, so in the beginning when him and Spartacus are having the conversations, like you were saying, there was twice, um, he tells Spartacus about the people who are part of the camp, the other rebels, that they don't pray for a glorious death. Um, and he's, and Crixus replies, no, they pray to be led. And I feel like at that point he's one challenging Spartacus's leadership, which is a huge blow. Anytime you challenge a leader's leadership, that's going to affect them. And then, uh, the second time was when they got into it and Crixus tells Spartacus you are not a freaking god or he says a different word but here at After Buzz we're not cursing he says you are not a freaking god and I do not heed to voice on high and so on After Buzz if you guys know Sean and I are constantly comparing Spartacus to Jesus who is a god and Crixus was reminding us this episode you are not a god stop acting like one you're making bad choices bad leadership you are not Jesus like Spicy and Sean think. Okay. <laughs> and he nails he nails Spartacus in the face when he was like, You will fall to command. Crixus just comes back and Spartacus doesn't. Which was a low it. blow. It was a low blow. He he hit him from like he pretty much he ambushed him with yeah, that not jar. Honorable. No, with that jar. He just smacks him in the face and all the ice and snow shatters like all around you him. See blood splash from Spartacus's mouth. Yeah, it's just like oozing out of him. And we haven't seen him get hit or nailed like that since season one, honestly. Since like the arena fights, Spartacus has not been this caught by surprise. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, going up against a gladiator who's equal to you at that, and you and I were discussing it while we were watching it, I kind of think that that Crixus could take Spartacus. He's had years more of experience as a gladiator and in the arena, and although Spartacus is leading them, at the end of the day, they didn't show us uh, Spartacus getting his ass kicked as much as I felt like he really would by Crixus, um, because it has to be equal, but I feel like Spartacus can sometimes be blinded as well by trying to do the right thing and yeah. not what's best for the camp. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But that fight, that was a, that was a serious fight. They were going at it. <laughs> and we couldn't even decide who won in that fight. I think the last person on top was probably Crixus, right? Yeah. And then Ag- no, Spartacus was, was blow- giving him some blows, and, and then, then they broke it up. Yeah, and then Agron had to peel him off of there. Right, exactly. 
So that was just that was an interesting fight, and we probably get to not see... the last that we've seen between them. There's always been that just anger and aggression. Yeah, between there's them. a lot more contention now between the two. And what's actually good is that each episode it almost gets resolved in a way because like <laughs> okay, we're fighting amongst each other, but I have this cool plan, and they get together again. Like we see later in the episode, like three quarters of the way through the episode, Spartacus goes to him, and then and then uh, Crixus ends up saying, "Stop speaking to me in riddles. Just tell me plainly what you want." Right. And he says, okay, this is what I want to do. And then we get to see the plan unfold when they attack the wall and everything. Well, I thought that that was very insightful, too, of Spartacus because Crixus just wants to fight. That's all he knows. He wants to fight, use his body, his swords, and just kill. Uh-huh. Spartacus is like, let's think this through. We've seen on multiple occasions that Marcus has deceived us. Not everything is as it appears. And so more than likely, that bridge that they've created or that trench is probably not filled with all kinds of Romans back there, I think that we can take them. It's just an illusion. It's just an illusion. And so, because he foresaw this and it actually came to fruition, I feel like now Crixus can have a little bit more respect back for Spartacus yeah. for, you know, the, the guidance that he's providing. Crixus is such a tamed beast, but he is still a beast, and Spartacus oh, yeah. needs to, like, direct him towards, like, where he's going to attack, you know? Right. And that's exactly just, you know, just thinking about it while you've been talking, it's just like, wow, that's exactly what Crixus is. Well, and Spartacus is like the master exactly. in a way. This, the scene where he starts taking on, you know, those six or seven Romans after Navia gets uh, hurt or what did she get sliced in the stomach and in the leg like or that. something I think like that? she got that. nailed in the face, I think. And she was just unconscious in the snow. Right. But Spartacus saved her, though. He did save her. And he was using reason like, OK, we need to retreat. And then Crixus uh, goes back and he's and because he hears the Romans call him a coward. And he, <laughs> he takes uh, the rest of like six or ten guys takes out. out. Yeah, that's yeah. Cr- so. Like you said, he he's he's an animal. He's a monster, but you know, a sexy one at that. <laughs> Just gotta say. Hey, don't forget, you guys, check out the iTunes account for AfterBuzz TV. Go to the iTunes Store, type into the search bar. After Buzz TV Spartacus, or hey, you know what? You can actually just type in Spartacus, and we're like the first or second one that comes up. Woot, woot. And uh, you guys can download the podcast here. We get them up like within the hour, I think, right after we uh, right after we do this live podcast on the website. You guys can download the podcast, rate and comment us, give us five stars. We're at four right now. We want that. Five. We deserve five. Come we on now. We deserve five guys. <laughs> and tell a friend because it only takes a minute. And we have a few tweets that I want to talk about with uh, some of our fans tweeting at us crow boy he just tweeted at me a few hours ago and and i was tweeting pretty much saying that hey i haven't watched the episode yet but i'm going to and he tweets at me he said at sean austin oh it was a good one (laughs) and and i agree i agree with you spicy you know it started slow like i said earlier but eventually it was it ended up being an awesome episode and we i actually thought that spartacus may have gotten captured this episode but thankfully he didn't nope so god at God GVN peace. Oh, I, I guess that's at God given peace. <laughs> she Sean t- can read, folks. <laughs> she, she tweeted at me and she said, at Sean Austin, when will the Spartacus podcast from Friday post to iTunes? Well, we don't do it on Friday, actually. Uh, we, we have, a, we have a, a little bit of a social life. It's kind of my fault. Yeah. We do it Sundays now. We're like super busy, <laughs> you know, and no one, no one's here at, at After Buzz Studios on Friday. I know. Sean, so. you're married. I'm yeah. in like a hot, steamy relationship. So Friday nights is like date 
date night. We got to do it Sundays now. I thought you were going to say hot, steamy bath. Oh, that too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all that goes down. <laughs> so uh, Sasha Montrez at love and Libra underscore. She tweeted at me saying, and Spicy, saying, finally, Gannicus and Sybil, I knew he liked her. Yes. And we're going to talk her. about that too. Can we just mention it really quick that they yes. hooked up? Because we yeah. want to make sure that we have time to um, make sure that there's enough room to talk with um, Campbell. But finally we see, as we predicted, Sybil and Gannicus hook up. And unfortunately, it was him trying to save her in this savior role that he always has. But I don't know if she's doing this in order to get him in the sack, but whatever she's doing, it worked. You know, she's young, she's hot, she's sexy. She might even be a virgin, so she's really tight. (laughs) And so him knowing that um, and Saxa already giving him an opportunity to sleep with her, he turns that down, being the smart man that he is, but later on, in a moment of vulnerability, in a snowstorm, winds up finally hitting it. You know, they probably both thought that they were going to die, so that's why they ended up, you know, that's what Saxon One wanted. of the gods of the arena did not think that he was going to die. He saw I, a moment of opportunity to be warm and toasty inside of her wombs, and he <laughs> hopped on it. And we already saw this happening. We knew that it was going to happen. I mean, we were kind of excited. There was sexual tension there the entire time. I don't knock him for it, but at the same time, I feel like later on, he's going to have to face that with Saxa. She's not going to be cool because it was behind her back. It's one thing when she offers. It's another thing when it's deception. And a woman has that intuition and she definitely showed that when he brought her, uh, when he brought Sybil back to the camp. She looked at Sybil like, mm, you ratchet. I, I bet she's going to be able to smell the woman's stink on e- him. Yes. <laughs> but they were out there. It was so funny because, you know, I'm such a nerd, but when they're out there and they're looking for a place like shelter in the snow, I'm totally thinking Star Wars. Oh, Empire yeah. Empire Strikes Back where they're like, oh, there's a Tauntaun out there. Let's cut it open and be inside of it. Right. You know, only this time Gannicus was inside of her. <laughs> Right. To keep warm. <laughs> and he kept her warm, too. But, but Gannicus was the, the only one trying to stay warm during this snowstorm. As we predicted, once again, because we have this amazing intuition here at AfterBuzz, Spartacus and Laida finally get a little cozy. They're getting closer. We saw on the previews that eventually there's going to be a hot and steamy kiss and hookup. But this episode, we saw her share a blanket with him, which was the next step towards intimacy. It is. You know, and that's the whole thing about dating. I don't know if you guys, like, I've read some, I'm not a player anymore, but I I did read this, you know, quite a few books on, like, pickup artistry, and it's all about escalation. And that's, and Leita, she's escalating it with Spartacus. Oh, yeah. She, at first, she th- finds him disgusting. He killed he killed her husband pretty much. But uh, you know, it's like that Stockholm syndrome. You know, he's got her like That's a, a exactly what it could be. As a captive. Her and people she- turned on her. And she sees him as, like, this great leader, and he's, like, this beast that has a great wound in his heart. <laughs> he needs to be healed. He needs some healing. And she's, like, green and pale and pasty from her wound, so she's yeah. extra vulnerable and lonely, too. Not, you know, really quite sure she's going to find love again. Spartacus is, you know, her best bet. So <laughs> yeah. she's not going to turn that opportunity down. She's go- Next episode, we're going to see something hot and steamy between them. And pretty much like Gannicus and Sybil, like Spartacus and Leita, you know, these are two parallels 
battles that are going on for me right now, they could die any day now. So why not share some love with somebody who's next to you, right? Well, that was Saxa's point when she was trying to get Gannicus in the sack. She's like, you know, if I die, I'd rather, you know, go out with a bang and at least have you inside of me. And of and course... take that memory to the afterlife. Right, and take that memory to the afterlife. That's the exact quote. And so he winds up turning it down because he sees that poor little Sybil's, you know, lurking in the corner yeah. and he doesn't want to disappoint. So at that point, we already know, okay, he's going to tap that. Uh-huh. But, you know, I, I agreed with Saxley. Like, let's just get it popping before we die. Yeah. Let's uh, wrap up with uh, talking about the episode with Corey leaving the Romans. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Corey mm-hmm. and what's going on with her. So pretty much she's just disappointed how how Crossus is so blinded to what's going on. And she, and she wants to tell him, but she can't bring herself to because she doesn't want to disappoint him in his son. Well, I was watching the episode with my boyfriend because I was really surprised that she chose that route. And in his opinion, he was saying that as a woman, she felt like you don't really love me in this moment. You're choosing your son over me. Therefore, I must eliminate myself from the situation. From the equation. Right. And I thought that she was choosing to be a part of the rebels in order to help kind of maybe help their win kind of like undercover the way Caesar did and he was like absolutely not she's broken hearted that she wasn't chosen by the person that she loves she he pretty much gave her away to Tiberius and as a woman she took that of course personally and emotionally went to the rebels you know what actually one of our other fans uh, they they tweeted at me and they were talking about that same thing it was uh, who was it oh it was God-given peace, at God-given peace again. Mm-hmm. She said, why would Crossus give Corey to Tiberius? And with lots of uh, exclamation and question marks. Right. And he's not, he wasn't doing it willingly. He's just so, he's just foggy on what's going on. And he thinks that he's doing both of them a favor. It's like, hey, he's like, she is like a mother to you, Tiberius. Right. It's more of a nurturing thing. Yeah, and to Corey, it's like, okay, he's going to protect you now because he cares for you so much. But he doesn't know what's happening behind the scenes. He doesn't know that he raped her. Right. So it's just, it's just obviously that Crossus is blinded to what's going on, and he just thinks he's doing them both a favor, when in reality, he's really doing Corey a disservice. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you know, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do, so she left and went a part of the Rebels, and so let's see if she winds up hooking up with anybody else, any of the, uh, the gladiators. Ooh, that would, be, <laughs> th- that would be really sexy. Uh, but who, who would she hook up with? I, I can't think of... We, we definitely know Agron and Nasser aren't... Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they're not an option, but what we didn't talk about was uh, Nasser protecting, um, am I saying Nasir? Am I saying Nasir. it right? Okay. Nas- yeah, Nasir. You know, you guys get on me at home if I mispronounce, so I've been watching it two episodes at a time, um, or multiple times in order to try to get this right. But Nasir, uh, once again, protects his lovable pirate from... Castus. Yes, when he was... Uh, he spilt his food out of his hands, and he's threatening him. And Br- started Britius, yeah, Britius, yeah. He started, uh, you know, wailing on him because, of course, he was a part of the pirates that set them up. But uh, Nasir comes to his aid. his aid, of course, and there's still flirtation going on that I think is low key disrespectful to Agron. But uh, he but, continues with it and winds yeah. up letting uh, Agron release him. Yeah, he ends up convincing, or encouraging Ag- him. He encourages, convinces him in a very diplomatic way. I'm sure. Yeah, Which, well, with a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. And he ends up releasing him, and he's like, you know what, don't think this is a favor. Agron is talking to the castus. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what, this isn't a favor. If it wasn't for Nasir, then I'd have this knife in your belly, pretty much. <laughs> and you know he wants to go at his throat. Eventually, we might see that, that he just kills him just because. But on this episode, we actually saw him step up, although he is a pirate and can't be trusted. He 
he winds up uh, fighting amongst Agron and killing the Romans, kind of proving his loyalty and his worth at the same time. That's right. I was just going to say that. I don't see it going the way where he's going to betray anybody. I feel like he's, I think he's going to die in battle alongside the other rebels, and he's going to be a little bit more honorable than he was previously. And, uh... Nasir gives him a kiss right before he dies. Ooh. A little peck or something. And Agron if, catches it. That's my prediction. If they're alone. <laughs> yeah. And then he thinks he thinks no one's going to see, but Agron's going to be like, oh, that sly dog. Right. You've been How with him the entire you. time. How dare you? How dare you? It's going to be something crazy, something Shakespearean. <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we get over to Campbell, you want to do some favorite quotes? Yeah, let's do that really okay. quick. Because we want to make sure we get Campbell. This was a really quote-rich episode. I enjoyed it so much. Wine... And the warmth of your thighs is all comfort I need. And that was from Caesar to... The warmth of your thighs. The warmth of your thighs. That was to the two beautiful ladies he had in his tent. (sighs) Love that scene. It's making me reconsider the whole threesome thing. Uh, (laughs) If I am for afterlife, then I will take memory of your cock inside me. And that was the quote from Basaxa, which I absolutely loved. Nice one. Uh, Go ahead. Jupiter's cock. Your favorite. That, Sean's going to find Jupiter's cock in every season. No one, <laughs> they haven't been saying that, that that much this season. Probably two or three times they've said it, and it's already on six episodes into the season. And that was one of the, I guess the whores said it to Caesar. You're, that's Sean's favorite quote, you guys. I hear him even saying it when we're not watching Spartacus. Uh, in chains and bloody, you still attempt to flatter. And that was Nasir with uh, the, the pirate guy. What's his name? Castus. Castus. We finally got his yeah, name. Yeah, we were waiting and waiting for them to say his name again. We were like, which, which, what's his name? I need no reminder of past generosity. And that's Caesar saying that to Crassus when he's like saying, hey, man, what's going on here? Why is your son like getting all this stuff or whatever? Right. He, and, I remember what you've done for me, but skip yeah. all that. You're punking out now. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty yeah. much what he was saying. But he had to fall to command after that scene. Um, okay, so I already told the ones from uh that uh, Crixus had said to Spartacus and um, oh how deeply have you been pierced by the boy and so that was when I had mentioned that I felt like Caesar kind of knew that there was something going on sexually between uh, Tiberius and Corre but you know come to find out they wind up tag teaming and they're going to get Tiberius yes they probably will cut circle with straightest line and give voice to what you would have of me and that was Caesar to Corey. That was a good one. That was a really good one. And that's that's like, hey, get down to it. Tell me what you want. Be Just straight with me. get to the point. There's, yeah. They have so many nice, cool, colorful ways <laughs> of saying, hey, stop speaking in riddles and just tell me what's going on here. Right. Exactly. I'm done with my quotes. Do you have any more? Your thoughts were true. There stand only a few hundred. Then let us warm the night with their blood. Right. And that was Crixus and who was it? I think Agron. They were saying that. Or, or no, it was That's actually the scene. Spartacus, actually. Was it Spartacus who said that? And Agron. Like, I think it was. It was Spartacus and Agron. Crixus okay. was mostly yelling, like, yeah. ha ha. <laughs> and then it went to Spartacus and Agron ending. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, call up Campbell Cooley now. And give everybody at home a little background. While he's trying to pull up Campbell, let us know, at you know, uh, all the fans at home and remind us exactly who Campbell Cooley is because there's so many amazing characters that come on Spartacus. There's been several seasons. If you're a loyal diehard fan, you've been watching just like us. And we get sad every time a character dies or leaves the show, yeah. but we get to see them in additional projects later on. And Campbell was one that, uh, Sean, you specifically remembered as being with Animaeus. Yes, he had a really good scene with Animaeus. But I actually think Campbell's on the Skype right now. Campbell, yes, can, you, 
All right, Campbell. Hey, thank you so much for joining us via Skype. Welcome to the After Buzz TV show for Spartacus, man. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your character uh, on the show in season two, and and the other work that you've done on the previous seasons as well, and including this season. Well, he's um, a sort of a short-lived character. Um, he was an opportunistic bounty hunter who um, uh, knew about this bounty for all the uh, the uh, slaves that were now on the run, and uh, happened to spot Animaeus at. A gladiatorial thing and decided, hey, it's time to cash in. And it was probably the stupidest thing he's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Okay, so right now in, in studio, we're looking at a picture of you on the screen. So you had, uh, you got some raggedy looking clothing on in this scene. You got your beard all grown out and you got your hair like nicely oiled. And, and, and falling. But let me tell <laughs> you what's amazing about Campbell is I pulled up several different projects that he's been on. He is a chameleon. He doesn't look anything like the way he does in Spartacus on any of his other projects. He literally transforms himself for every single character that he plays. So kudos and bravos to you, Campbell. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, gosh, I'm not quite sure where to go from here. So give me some direction. Okay. Well, how, okay, well tell us how did you get started with acting? Um, I would have to blame my mother for that. Uh, she, you know, got me involved in a few little plays when I was a child. And then when I started going to university, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with my life. And so I started uh, studying communications. And then my sophomore year, I started taking some acting classes. And it just all sort of evolved from there. Uh, I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater. And then found out the hard way that it's very tough to make a living in theater. So I uh, opted to get a, a film acting agent, and within a few uh, weeks, I was auditioning for stuff, and within a few months, I was uh, working on Xena. All right, very cool. And that's and Robert Tappert was one of the, the producers for uh, Xena, am I right? Absolutely. Yes. So you've been working with Robert Tappert for, for quite a while then, of course, with, with Spartacus, with the whole series here, and then with Xena. Did you do any work on, on Hercules as well? I had a really fun role on Hercules. I got to work opposite so cool. amazing Joel Tobeck. Um, got to play a, a kind of a stupid sidekick to his Deimos. Um, and I got to play uh, another kind of low life on Legend of the Seeker. And uh, uh, I've, only, I've only met Rob on two or three occasions. Uh, so, you know, we don't really know each other that well. But he's a lovely guy and he's really friendly. And I think he's incredibly talented. So I'm just incredibly fortunate to have been on so many... Uh, projects that he's worked on. When you did uh, Xena, Warrior Princess, and then also Spartacus, did you run into Lucy Lawless again at all? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I had the fortune of being um, beat up by her on at least three episodes of Xena. <laughs> I ran into her uh, on Spartacus, but it had been a few years. I hadn't. I don't think I'd seen her since probably 2001. And uh, we crossed paths, and because my appearance is usually changing, I wasn't sure if she recognized me. And I, I sort of said, you know, oh hi, you know, I don't, don't you remember me, but you've you know kicked the crap out of me a few times, and she knew who I was. So. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, I remember whooping that ass. <laughs> so, so what attracted you, Campbell, to uh, choose Spartacus? Well, I mean, you know, what sane actor wouldn't want to be on one of the coolest shows in on the world right now? Oh yeah. And when um, it started filming, um, obviously, you know, I was uh, doing whatever I could to get an audition. Um, I did get the audition. But the one of the hardest things about being an actor is 
you're always gambling. It's like, okay, you know, if, I, if I accept this role, is there a bigger part down the road on this series that maybe I should hold out for? Mm. And uh, they offered me this part, and it was, it was only two scenes, and then I get killed, and, and I thought, gosh, you know, should I hold out for something bigger? And then I thought, are you crazy? You get to work with Peter Mensa, you know? Right. <laughs> so I, I didn't care that I was going to get killed off. It's like, yeah, I just, want to, I just want to work with Peter Mensa. So I was like, yeah, sign me on. Well, IMDb has you as uh, having been on there five episodes from 2010 to 2012. Is that wrong? It wasn't five episodes. It's, it was just two. Uh, I need to clarify something. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that I physically played other characters, and I didn't. I actually provided the voice for uh, some other characters. Oh, wow. Uh, there's um, the, probably the most famous one, obviously, is um, uh, Ixion, the guy who was the pit fighter who liked to carve people's faces off and then wear them in his next match. Oh, that guy. So your voice was yeah. better than his actual voice then, if they chose well, you. <laughs> no, no I, I don't think that was the case. Um, it's just... It's just the way it evolves sometimes. You know, I, I go in to do a voice job and they just say, okay, here's what we have for you today. And, you know, I'm just like, okay, fine. Um, so uh, I, and I guess I'm fortunate in that, you know, I've, I've gotten to do a lot of voice work in the, my past, but I, I also have done uh, a lot of voice work for the series as well because I, I, well, I like to think maybe I can do different kinds of voices. And uh, Ixion was one of a few. There's actually, there was actually a lot more that I did, but that are not listed on IMDb. Uh, but Ixion was, Ixion was fun. And I think, I, I think it took me a day or two to recover after doing that voice because it was so gravelly and so deep. Can you do a little bit of Ixion for us right now? Oh, my gosh. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, okay. Basically, he, uh, he does the fight. He carves the guy's face off. He holds it up to the crowd, and he says, You want to face me? Yeah. Wow, that was amazing. <laughs> Very good. I felt like I was in it. That Bravo. was good. We put you on the spot, and you mastered that. Okay, so who has been your favorite antagonist or villain from the series so far on Spartacus? <clears throat> oh, now that's a toughie. Um, you see, I think the... the most people would go with the obvious characters, like Asher. Um, uh, you know some of the some of the bigger characters. Um, but I'm I'm sort of more attracted to the smaller, lesser known characters. And one of my favorite, he was only in two episodes, is uh, Marcellus. Now Marcellus was the guy who uh, Asher would go to. He was the go-to guy that Asher went to oh, when they needed Marcellus. information or prostitutes and that sort of thing. And <clears throat> if you don't remember who Asher is. Asher, uh, sorry, so if you don't remember who Marcellus is, sorry about that, um, uh, Asher goes to get something from him. He needs, he needs information, and uh, he has his face shoved down into a rotting limb with maggots. Yeah. I remember that, I, totally. I remember that scene, yeah. <laughs> and that, uh, the guy that played that is a guy named Matt Galanders. He's a fantastic actor, and... Um, Matt and I are really good friends, and he has no qualms about admitting that when they shot that scene, he actually put the maggots in his mouth for effect. Oh, wait, right. real maggots? Real maggots. 
Oh my god. Very cool. That's 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 amazing behind the scenes stuff, man. Thank you for sharing that, Campbell. And we you heard it here first at AfterBuzz. Right, Buzz. exactly. AfterBuzz exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Uh so we have to know because we have studied the actual footage as far as the workouts are concerned and we want to know did you go through any rigorous training <laughs> in order to be on this show because I feel like every single person has to go through like a boot camp. Were you part of that or did you just get to just show up on set one day? No, no, okay. Um, you know, I thought I was going to get off easy. Um, I thought, you know, and, and I, they, they actually, unfortunately, the scene that I had with NMAS, all of my contributions to the fight actually ended up getting, they ended up on the cutting room floor. Uh, but I did actually have to go in for training for one day. And okay. I got to sort of roam with the Giants and the Titans. And I was feeling very inadequate. <laughs> um, and I had to do, uh, I had to do the sort of basic uh, morning workout. And let me tell you something. Whew. I'm out of shape. <laughs> those guys, but those guys, man, they're they're wow. They train I, hard, I, right? It was tough. It was really tough. Now I'm going to ask you one more uh, kind of awkward, uncomfortable question. As spicy muddy, I am capable and privileged of doing that. I have this thing or this theory that everybody who also auditions for Spartacus has to audition naked. Did you? Is that true? <laughs> Tell the fans at home. We just want to know. You know, that's sort when when people find out that I was on Spartacus. The first question they ask me is, did you have to take your clothes off? Exactly. See? I'm not crazy. And, you know, I, you know I, I don't know. I'm sure you've seen the photos of me, you know, uh, without the makeup and stuff. And, you know, I'm not the eye candy of the show. Oh. So, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't have to do anything dodgy or anything like that. So I'm sorry to disappoint. Dang it. <laughs> well, it's not too late to send us some photos of you nude. Just say, yeah. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> so get, you were you were just talking about that scene with Animaeus. Okay, so pretty much what you, what your character does is he follows Animaeus because he kind of recognizes him, right? And he follows him outside to the streets in, in yeah. season two. And I think was this uh, episode one or two? This was episode one. Okay, it was episode one. <laughs> right. So you follow him out to the streets. You confront him with some of your henchmen, right? And you and you say to him, "Are you Animaeus?" And then you know, if you are, if you give me the information where spartacus is i'll let you go and you know i might let you live pretty much right something to that effect and what does animaeus do he get he get he grabs you and and he pretty much you know can you describe that scene a little bit (laughs) sure sure um the and this this isn't a criticism or anything but you know with any kind of show you know there's there's so much writing and there's the writing is fantastic but then sometimes there's not enough time to you know show an entire scene so lines get cut and, and various other things and i actually had a little bit more dialogue in that scene um when i confronted him and said oh look you know your body odysseus man and he says no i actually went into this little description of like oh no 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 i know it's you because i saw you fight the Achilles and you're the only person to survive mm. so that would have been adding salt to his wound yeah um so we we uh, the scene plays out um and one of the things that attracted me to the scene apart from peter is that it has this kind of real cat and mouse quality to it. I I really wanted to play that. So um, we did the cat and mouse uh, thing. And, of course, uh, the the, the downside was I actually thought I was the cat and I was really the mouse. So so Peter uh, Peter goes to, to kill me. And what's interesting is that up until that point in the series, 
I was actually supposed to die one of the most gruesome deaths they'd had in the show up until that point. But in the end, I think maybe there was a cost factor involved and it got, I got changed to um, getting stabbed with a knife. But as I told you the other night, Sean, what was actually supposed to happen was he was supposed to take his hands and rip my throat out. Yikes. <laughs> So you ended I was up. Kidding. I had a plaster cast and everything. You know, they were they were making up the what they needed, and then you know, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. But that's okay. Yeah. And then that's- so so instead, he just ended up dagger, <laughs> daggering you through the through the chin, right up into your head. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> there's um there's something else about that scene that I sort of um, uh, I suppose it's kind of funny. I I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a clean freak. I I really don't like being dirty on any level. If I have dirt under my nails, I go crazy. And when I was cast, you know, I thought the name "dirty bastard" meant pretty much it was. A, I thought it was a testament to his character. <laughs> so we I put on you know they they we get, I get suited up and they put on the wig and everything and I'm thinking hey sweet fantastic, and then I was guided into a separate room. Where three people spent the next twelve minutes covering from covering me from head to toe with dirt, filth. I don't know what was in this box. I don't want to know what was in this box. Oh. They they covered every crack, nook, and crevice in my body, and I was just like, ah. So we shoot the scene, and and then as you know, it ends with me laying in the street dead, and uh, the the makeup artist came up and just began to pour blood. All over me. Oh. So not only am I completely covered in filth, now I'm covered in blood as well. Now the shooting ran just a little bit long that day, so I didn't have, um, and I had I had an appointment uh, like a half hour after I finished filming, and I had to be on the other, the other side of town, and I didn't have the chance to take a shower or clean up. Oh my so god! So I literally just took off the costume. We took off the wig. I threw on my clothes and I drove like a maniac to get to this next meeting, completely covered in blood and dirt. And I've sometimes wondered what would have happened if a police officer had called, had pulled me over. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. And you have to explain. No, I'm, I'm really an actor. On the, the, this episode I'm an actor. Of this. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't buried anybody. Just let me go. That's so awesome that you were able to be a part of that. Because one thing that I always comment on when comparing Spartacus to other shows is the realism involved. It's so realistic. And the makeup is so intricate. Every single detail from the scrapes to the blood to the cuts, everything. And so the fact that you got to be a part of that is just amazing to me because I know that takes a lot of time, right? How, about how many hours did it take you to get covered and all that? Uh, what in the, in the, the initial filth? In the initial filth, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think, I think the, um, the makeup and the costume didn't take that long, strangely. I think it only took about maybe an hour. And then they took about 15 minutes to cover me in dirt. And then the blood, well, they just came up and just started pouring just it, poured on, it me, so on me. So it <laughs> they wasn't took no real time blood. whatsoever. Is that ketchup or something? Or No, it's, it's some kind of, um, I think it's some kind of glucose or something. But they've, they've added some stuff to it to make it really look like blood. It would have been nice. cool if it was real blood, though. I would have really respected Spartacus' show if it was. So, so Campbell, um, you live over there in Auckland, New Zealand, right? Where like they they shoot a lot of the show, pretty much, like mo- pretty much all of the show, right? Yeah. Okay. So who and you probably do you live like down the street and nearby, like some of the other cast members, and do you hang out with them often? Um, with any show, once it's done, people tend to kind of like 
just spread out, you know, looking for more work. So um, it's a very kind of unpredictable industry. You don't always see people you've worked with on the show. You, you may not see them for a long time. But there are a few people um, in the show that I, I hang out with sometimes, but I'm only going to mention one. I'm really good friends with Barry Duffield, Lugo. Yeah, oh, Lugo. Cool. And Barry and I get together every now and then. And we have coffee or we might you know, get together for a wine or something. And he's just lovely. He's like this giant teddy bear. You'd Aww. never, you'd never <laughs> guess that from his character on the show. Well, yeah, he looks so tough. That's super cool. We got to start. Are you on Instagram or Twitter? Yeah, we actually got to start. We got, we got to up. wrap up, but we would love to hear. Can you tell us what other projects you are a part of that we can expect to see you in, or anything you're working on right now? And let us know where we can find you on Twitter and Instagram as well. Sure, sure. Uh, just doing some voice work for some kids shows, um, producing a documentary. Uh, I've been approached to act in a, um, a thriller, which may shoot later this year, but uh, more on that later. And um, you know, I'm, I'll see if I can send you a photograph of the last time Barry and I hooked up. Oh, cool. We would love that. Very cool. That would be awesome. So, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. You know, like we don't. Uh, if if you, any have... fans want to find you or yeah. possibly stalk you, Campbell, where can they find you at? Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's just, it's simple. It's just at Campbell Cooley. Um, I've got a fan page on Facebook, also Campbell Cooley, and um, I'll just put up links there if they, you know, if there's other stuff for them to check out. Awesome. Well, Campbell, we really appreciate you calling in via Skype all the way from Auckland, New Zealand, and thank you so much for being on AfterBuzz TV with us. You know, we really appreciate it, man. And you know, we can we would love to like have you on, like maybe in the future for some more podcasts and stuff. Yeah, whenever you come out to Cali, please let us know. Oh, look, I tell you what, I, I can't thank you enough. I really have enjoyed myself. I've been looking forward to this all week. And definitely, Yay! if I make it out there, I will I will be in touch. But in the meantime, I'm sure we'll hook up on online at some stage. Definitely. Please keep in touch with us. We're going to continue stalking you like we usually do to make sure we get you back on the show. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Campbell. All right, bye-bye. So let's go ahead and uh, move into predictions. Predictions. Oh, no music first? Okay, there oh, it goes. There we go. There it goes. You're after Buzz TV. Predictions. So, I feel like Crossus will have another big engagement with Spartacus pretty soon. Probably in the next episode or two. Next episode, they might go kind of light on it because it was a big battle this time. Yeah. Um, some fans have predicted that Navy is going to die. So I kind of maybe think that they're not far off from that. I think that her time is coming uh, stab by stab, wound by wound. And then also I think that uh, Laida is going to, of course, sleep with uh, Spartacus at some point. They're going to hook up. But uh, he's not really going to give her heart to him because he's never able to any relationship that he's in. And she doesn't want his heart either. She wants his cock. Exactly, his cock. And I think that uh, Sybil has an ass kicking coming from Saxa coming up. I feel like Caesar and Tiberius are going to butt heads again, and they may even actually draw blood with each other in the next episode. Mm. Yeah. I would love to see, uh, in order to hurt Marcus, and in order to hurt Tiberius, I would love to see Corey hook up with Spartacus. Kind of like steal his heart from Laida. I would love to see that. 
Something with uh, Corey and Spartacus, I feel like. Threesome between late and Corey oh, and Spartacus. <laughs> that, was sick. that was Sean's prediction, y'all. <laughs> I'm not responsible for that threesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that that's about... <laughs> that wraps up the show that's for us for Spartacus. Shout right. out to Campbell for definitely uh, being an amazing guest um, and uh, allowing us to ask some uh, crazy, spicy, uh, off-the-wall questions and being a great sport about it. Behind-the-scenes stuff. You can find him at... Campbell, which is spelled C-A-M-B P, is it P? P-B-E-L-L Cooley, C-O-L-L-E C-O-O C-O-O-L-E-Y uh, on Twitter, and he has a Facebook fan page too, Campbell Cooley. And you can follow me at Sean Austin O on Twitter, and you can also follow me on Instagram at it's Sean O. And you can play with my Twitter day and night at spicy underscore Mari, or you can stroke my Instagram at spicy underscore Mari. Whatever you like, guys. Stroke the Instagram, <laughs> very nice. Okay, as long as you find. And me. we had so many fans, that, you know, other than the ones I read out that gave us tweets uh, this past week, and oh man, we had like thirty plus comments on YouTube channel for us. So hey, keep keep the conversation going, guys. We'll try to get to you next week. And other than that, we'll be buzzing with you later. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 